0: the internet it's time for on comicsgrounds.com's flagship podcast panel to panel where a bunch of folks shoot the breeze and talk about comic books and such we are here live yes that is live for episode three we are here kicking it talking about some good stuff that had happened in the comic book industry as of late um travis will not be here this evening because he is watching endgame uh we We'll be having a non-spoiler discussion a little bit here about Endgame this evening. We will not be going into spoilers, so you are reassured you will not be spoiled about anything. So you can stay and have a good time with us here at panel to panel Um, Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. We'll like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram at Ground. And don't forget to follow this podcast at PTP underscore podcast on Twitter. Uh, right, and to my right this evening, we have the amazing, the awesome, the, uh, the uh, our amazing senior editor and uh, PR director, Mary. How are you doing this evening?
1: I'm yawning. I'm great. <laughs> I'm just real tired. Because my wife and I got out of Endgame at quarter to five in the morning. Jesus.
0: I mean, like my mine, mine wasn't wasn't as bad as that. Mine was two because, like, randomly the whole like theater lost power in, the, in like the climax. But like, uh, you you get out of out of the theater five. That's a little much. <laughs>
1: We originally weren't going to see it this weekend because, you know, just too many goddamn people. But then it was kind of like a peer pressure thing that, you know, everybody else was going to see it. And then we're kind of like, yeah, we kind of want to see it, too. So we managed to find decent seats the day of.
0: was pretty good. Was it like a really packed
1: theater? It was a Regal Cinema. So they have those reclining chairs. So the theaters are really, really small. Automatic reclining seats.
0: Well, like I, I go to Mark and they had the fancy reclining seats, and that one's actually
1: pretty good. Yeah. Um, no, when we bought the tickets, they had to add another showing because I went back later to check and see how full the theater was on Fandango and I noticed that they had added a, another showing for 150. So there was a 135, a
0: 140, and a 150. Wow. Those poor theater we- workers. <laughs>
1: When we got out, um, it looks it looks like it looked like a freaking war zone, like
0: Damn.
1: there was popcorn all over because I mean, you know, you go out and then you pass through the lobby there by the concession stand, there's popcorn all over the place. Like it kind of looks like a scene from The Walking Dead. Damn. <laughs> it, it looked like the manager or whoever was in charge that night was pretty much the only person there, and this poor woman looked exhausted. That sucks. Like that's my thing is a shout out to everyone who are busting their asses working in a theater this weekend. And if you are listening and you go to see it, be courteous. These people don't get paid enough and they are busting their asses. So be nice to them.
0: They deserve like all of the love from us. Like they are like devoting their lives on like the, one of the worst weekends for them. Like, like it's like like an aveng it's like a Marvel movie and Star Wars like like those are the worst ones probably for them. Hmm. Like well, I don't even want to know how bad it's gonna be for Episode Nine. Like there's gonna be a million and one showings. They're not gonna get no sleep. It's gonna be horrendous. I just my
1: heart goes out to them.
0: <laughs> well, from there. Why don't we uh, give some initial thoughts? Don't we, we won't go into crazy spoilers, nothing like that. Mary, what was your overall opinion of Avengers Endgame?
1: Well, I thought that fight with Superman in the end was kind of intense. Oh my god! <laughs> I have been making that joke for like the last day and a half oh, now, I keep and saying,
0: people like people like Batman dies. Oh.
1: Well, like, I keep making that joke, and every, like, you know, one out of three people, one of them almost believes me. (laughs) Like, yeah, you know, that fight with Superman at the end was intense, and they start to get a little angry, and then they realize that I said Superman.
0: (laughs) (laughs) They don't even realize how flawed the statement is, and it's hilarious. Mm -hmm.
1: Because people are so guarded against spoilers. it's just it's so funny it is absolutely funny
0: see like i i i, I get why people love spoilers. like I care about spoilers a lot, but I just like i never cared but that's why I have to just be careful and courteous to folk because that can just be oh
1: like mm-hmm.
0: I, it's painful but no what what for real would you what would you think of it
1: See, I don't have a huge emotional attachment to the MCU. I've seen maybe a handful of movies. So, like, I thought it was really good. And I thought it was well done. Okay. Those big emotional moments just kind of weren't there for me. I have a lot of really, like, technical critique stuff that... Um, I mean, it's like, still an opinion. Well, I can't really get into it without talking about things that happened in the movie. Uh, okay. Um, it's just like narrative thing and plot choices, and but overall, I thought it was really good. There's some parts that I'm still a little mad about, <laughs> but mad about. That. Honestly, but um. I don't go
0: ahead
1: i liked it but i mean speaking like as a non-mcu fan yeah it was it was it was good but like i said i don't have that emotional attachment this doesn't feel like the end of an era to me
0: well like other than like your devotion to dc what is like like is there any other reason why you were never really a big fan of all this
1: i'm not the biggest fan of disney
0: okay that's fair
1: has to come with my upbringing because my mother never let me watch disney movies uh, specifically the princess movies i was never allowed to watch them as a kid wow because my mother didn't want me to get the idea that you know princesses have to be saved and you know keep in mind this is like late 80s early 90s Yeah me to get the idea that a princess had to make all of her decisions about a man she had to wait for a man to save her my mom didn't want me to get these ideas in my head and they just kind of carried over i got to see mulan and hercules and some of the others but as a whole like i never got to see them i've still i have never seen the little mermaid damn Snow White and Cinderella as pieces of classic cinema, but no, I've never seen The Little Mermaid, and I think I've only seen parts of Pocahontas.
0: I mean, Pocahontas is hit or miss for some people, so that's fair.
1: I mean, it's just the historical inaccuracy that gets me, but... Savages!
0: Savages! Like, oh my god, that movie.
1: Pocahontas was 12!
0: Yeah. You're right.
1: <laughs> it's... So no, and like, I don't like... I, I don't know. I feel like we're getting close to like the dystopian scientific, sci-fi futures with Disney, so... I, for one, welcome our
0: mouse overlords.
1: Because uh, if you control media, you control the narrative. Yeah, that's fair.
0: I mean, like, how awesome would it be to, like, l- like the whole world is Disney World? That'd be kind of cool.
1: Uh, I disagree, but... Okay. It was... Like, and, and like, it just makes me uncomfortable when people want to praise Walt Disney specifically, because I'm kind of like, the dude was kind of crappy. Oh, yeah, like, he he was
0: definitely a little bit loony, but, like, I I, I still respect a lot of what he built, so, it's I don't know.
1: I mean, he was a raging anti-Semite.
0: Oh yeah, that that joke from Family Guy, like where he wakes up from cryo sleep, is like, are the Jews dead? No, put me back in. Like that, that, that literally is Walt Disney, and it kind of sucks when you think about it. Like I, I, I worry about what he would say about his company at this point, like in this day and age.
1: No, yeah, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, the dude can screw, can the dude can you know go screw himself, but.
0: But no, um, I, I honestly, I think. When it comes to endgame, I've 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 mellowed out like after my like my freak out moments that come with this crazy ass movie to like I've got like when I walked out I was like ten out of ten, that's all I need. Best Marvel movie and like I like some people in um one of the uh, the Gay Nerd Discord servers I'm in was asking my opinion on it today. And I easily was like, Okay, look, if you're a big MCU person... You're gonna walk into this and you're gonna love every second of it. You're you're gonna like like you're gonna be all on board. But I think the same thing goes for last year, where I remember there was like there was uh reviewers who were talking shit, going, oh like they don't they don't explain anything to you. You're left in the dark about everything. That's that that, that you can't judge this movie as a movie. You have to judge this as like the third act of a mini series, where it's like you, like you go in, and you're like, who's this person and who's this person and who's this person? Like you can't, you can't do it. If you're asking who Captain America is and who Thanos is and stuff like that, this, this you don't need to be here. Like this is the culmination of everything that we have been building up for for damn near twelve years. Like this is a lot, so. I say that this definitely earns a solid nine point five from me. And there are like the couple flaws that I've I've grown to like realize in this movie. But overall it's definitely in my top three MCU movies now. I I will say that. Um Well, from there, we will dig into so... what'd you say? still Winter Soldier, but... Well, no, like, for me, it's Black Panther, Winter Soldier, and Endgame. That, that's where I'm at. Because, like, Winter Soldier is the perfect technical masterpiece. Black Panther is the realization of, like, my favorite Marvel hero to a D. Like, I, I, I'm I like the hipster. I was a Black Panther fan before you! Like, I, I tell it to everybody like this. Like, that was me. And so that's why Black Panther means a lot to me. And then... Endgame game was just like just so much, like like that's why. Like so like from personal standpoint, it's Black Panther, Winter Soldier, Endgame, Game, and then from a critic standpoint, it's like you just swap one and two. Like that's that's pretty much where I'm at. Like, does that make sense? Sense. All right, dope. Well, from there we had. This week we had the Will Eisner Comic Industry Award nominees announced, and like, um, Mary, do you want to give any any background on like 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 who Will Eisner was and like all like the background with this entire thing?
1: Eisner was.
0: Huh. You cut out.
1: I said what? Like who Will Eisner was?
0: Yeah. Like like, like or like the whole and also like like where, like when the
1: award started and all that fun jazz. I can. Yeah, go for it. Now keep in mind this information's a little out of date for me. <laughs> okay, no problem. But uh no, Will Eisner was a cartoonist. Is probably most known for the spirit. Yes. T- I'm so tired, so my brain's just kinda like <laughs> my my brain is just not responding. But no, Will Eisner, he was a legendary creator. He was known predominantly I mean, like most famously, his big work is The Spirit. Yes. Which was, you know, by, about a private detective, yada yada yada. Um there's actually a movie with Scarlett Johansson and Samuel L. Jackson.
0: <laughs> oh, that movie.
1: Just, just, I love it because Scarlett Johansson, Samuel L. Jackson, Sarah Paulson, <laughs> Eva Mendes. Like, yes, this movie is a dumpster fire, but I love it. Who was the
0: spirit? I forget. It.
1: Mercy, I don't remember. I was too busy with Sarah Paulson and Scarlett Johansson. Uh, Gabriel mocked.
0: Um, I think the name is Gabriel mocked. Like, I've yeah, that like. It's, it's an interesting movie. I'll say that.
1: <laughs> not the most faithful adaptation, oh, okay. mind you. No, no, not at all. Did Joe Dope, I think. I think so, yeah. And some of his post-war comics were, you know, not as well known. Because there was uh, John Law, QB's, I think, Nubbin the Shoeshine Boy if I remember, none of them were quite the spirit. I mean, cause that ran from, I know it ended in 52. Uh, yeah. The spirit ran from 1940 to 1952. So, I mean, it was a long running series in the forties during the war. That was hard to do was to keep a series running for that long.
0: Yeah. Like, like, especially cause like, a lot of the readers weren't there because of the war effort and stuff like that. I'm like, wasn't the spirit created on, like, a last-minute thing where he was just supposed to be just a detective and then a publisher, like, the publisher called Eisner and asked if he had a mask or anything like that?
1: The legend goes. Like I said, I'm not, a, like, I, I'm not 100% certain these days because, you know, more information comes out all the time, yeah. but...
0: Because I remember watching an interview once where he like told the whole story, and it it was just it was so intriguing to hear how he really wasn't on board with the idea of superheroes, and then he did it to make ends meet. I thought that was such a like a cool thing there.
1: There are several old school creators, uh, Adams Neil leaps to mind, um, who are not Neil Adams. I'm talking about Neil Adams, but Adams, are not. <laughs> They're not the biggest fan of superheroes, but superheroes pay the bills.
0: I don't get why they wouldn't be very interested in the comics they're creating. Like, doesn't that create a very bad atmosphere for what you're trying to create?
1: Have you met him? No. There you go. But, um, I mean, especially if you think about it in terms of, like, the 60s and the 70s, it was a very insular market. Comics then was not Comics Now. Fair enough. Comics Now, you know, you the internet absolutely changed the landscape. I mean, Image and the introdu- the introduction of wide-scale indie publishers, not just some guy Xeroxing comics in his basement. like. Yeah. The landscape has completely changed, and you know, it was a very insular sphere in the 60s and the 70s, and carried through to the 80s. So, people just there are some people who just saw it as a job.
0: Okay, so what about the Eisner Awards themselves? When did that actually become a thing? Because, like, you wouldn't think back in the day that, um, uh, the fr- like, you wouldn't think that comics back then we we would be worth awards, you know.
1: Putting me on the spot here, dude. Um oh, my bad. <laughs> expecting to have to uh uh do an intro so I didn't really prepare. <laughs> but um the Eisners and the Harveys, I believe, were both created around the same time in 88. 89, I could be wrong. Um I know that both were created as a response to the discontinuation of the Kirby awards. Mm-hmm. Kirby awards were discontinued. I just know that they were. Okay. Um, in the early years, there was a lot of mix up and it took, it took several years for the awards to get off the ground. But um, in terms of the how or why they set up, I'm not hundred percent sure. I think it was just kind of too, Okay. I I mean I mean it it was set up because I mean the Eisner's are essentially the equivalent of the Oscars for comics. Like Eisner for like best writing or whatever is the you know comic equivalent of winning best actor. Like it is what a lot of industry professionals strive for. I mean, there's usually a jury of five to six members that, you know, judge each individual thing. So it's not as widespread as, because, I mean, the Oscars is made up of hundreds of members, but with the Eisner's, it's usually a pretty tight knit panel. Words are presented at San Diego Comic Con. It's a really fancy gala. Um, You know, the fun play setting, people get really dressed up. I mean, it is the event of the year. Because there are, I mean, there's a ton of categories.
0: So, yeah, I'm looking at this list right now. There's a frick a
1: best short story, best single issue, continuing series, limited series, new series, publication for new readers, publication for kids, publication for teens, humor publication, anthology, reality-based work, um, graphic album, new, and then there's one for reprints, best adaptation from another medium, U.S. edition of international material, and it just goes on from there. I mean, you know, best writer, best writer, artist, penciler, inker, or team, multimedia, cover artist, coloring, lettering, you know, um, they even have Eisners for comic journalism.
0: Yeah, that's insane. I did not know that one was a thing. Oh yeah, like holy crap! I mean, like it, it's it's honestly for like for so long I never knew this was a thing, and then to find out that people are actually out here winning awards for comic books, it kind of like makes me happy that we've come this far. To be honest with you,
1: mm, absolutely. I mean, to come from. You know, the humble origins of comics. You know, you can take it as far back as the late 1800s. Yeah.
0: You are not wrong.
1: To come to where we are now, that this is a legitimate medium. It is a legitimate form of, you know, artistic expression and artistic creation. That, you know, some of these characters have carried through for decades. I mean, Superman is pushing a hundred. Like... it's just it's really exciting to see how this has progressed and because the history of comics is truly a fascinating history i mean just tracking the origins i mean you know through world war ii the silver age the bronze age i mean just seeing the progression and seeing all of the people who have had even the smallest influence over the years has you know just blossomed into this this you know crazy beautiful industry that we all love
0: and to think back in the day like there was just things like detective books and like monster books and then somebody got the right idea to make like a superhero story for like like out of superman like it's so crazy how things have evolved and then like it almost became a like a reverse flow where those books sort of died out and then they kind of re around the comics code period and then they've died back down. And then now we're seeing with the indie titles that it really isn't a whole lot of superheroes, but like there's some companies that are trying to like replicate Marvel and DC's formula, but then there's horror comics and like going back to detective stuff. There's like, like crazy sci-fi narratives that are being published right now through people like Vault, like, there's like the whole landscape is changing, and it's really intriguing. but no, nah, like I think. <laughs> like, are you okay?
1: Yeah, I was just coughing. Okay.
0: Um, but but no, nah, like like going through this list for some of these, like, um, to see uh, people like Jeff Lemire like get nominated for multiple categories, like, uh, in like, like for Black Hammer, it, it blows my mind. Uh Sadarsky's winning by nominated for best single issue. Um, I'm just I'm dumbfounded by how this exists.
1: I mean, it it, it is amazing and the nominees, they all absolutely deserve it. Most definitely.
0: Like like for, for like freaking Sean Murphy wrote and drew all of Batman White Knight and he got Best Limited series. Like it, but that alone, right there, is a really high achievement. Like I, I'm happy that Snagglepuss got, got nominated for best limited series. But like, I if either ex, like his book or White Knight wins, I'd be pretty happy with that because both of those are really big achievements in and of themselves.
1: Oh, absolutely! And then Bitterroot got
0: nominated for best New <laughs> series. Yay! Like literally all of best new series is image books. Like that uh, is may- an achievement in itself. <laughs>
1: Image absolutely swept this year, and you know i'll be interested to see if they net the awards
0: I would hope so like if they if they got the entire uh, one, like one category and they have other categories too like it
1: it's, i mean it, across it's all me. of the nominations,
0: yeah, and like it, it's intrigued me with image specifically because for a while they they had the issue where there was a lot of series that didn't make it past volume one. They were like spitting out number ones to see what would stick. But like now we've reached this period through 2018, now 2019 where they're just pumping out really good content. And like, it doesn't matter if you're a small creator or a big creator, you have a chance to publish something really good over there.
1: I think image has changed their um, submission standards. I don't think they're accepting open submissions anymore. Really? Because it, it used to be, it used to be what I, um, I mean, I'll have to, I'm curious, I might double check here real quick, but it used to be what you could do is you could just, you know, put in an open submission, you would submit, um, you know, photocopies of um, sequential art and you, you wouldn't send in a script. You'd send in like an elevator pitch as it were. And if they like it, they'd get back to you. Oh, okay. That makes sense. As I heard they are not accepting open submissions anymore.
0: I know a lot of publishers are starting to do that, though, because, like, the idea of creating your own indie comic, like, and then, especially with, like, how Image was formed about them wanting to own their own content, it's definitely an intriguing, I keep saying intriguing too damn that much, it's definitely a, an, an idea that a lot of people want to strive for, that way they can say, hey, this is mine, no one can take it from me, like, that, that's pretty cool that we can do that in this day and age.
1: Okay, so it looks like they might still accept open submissions, but oh, I cool. mean, they they probably get hundreds, if not thousands, of submissions a week.
0: I hate I'd hate to be the person to go through every single one of those.
1: Got um, <laughs> here's a in the guideline or things to keep in mind. It says do not hand image comics employees subscriptions at comic book conventions. Your submission will be misplaced or discarded. <laughs> I mean, and, I mean, they, they're they telling you not to send original art because you're not getting it back, like.
0: Well, yeah, I i, I wouldn't know why you would just send original art and not make it like a reprint, you know.
1: It's there, somebody's done it.
0: Well, yeah, they have to, they have to make that claim, like, because that way they're not held liable for the art going missing. It makes perfect sense.
1: Yeah, but I know um, a lot of indie publishers, they also don't pay page rates. Image, basically, they'll take a small, they'll take a chunk, but they pretty much just print the book and slap the label on it for you.
0: Wow.
1: Um, Promotion of the book, you you have to work really closely with them, I mean, because how many image books do we see hit number one that we've seen zero promotion for? That's
0: true. Like you usually, so, see the creators working their asses off to get it in the hands of people.
1: Image can pretty much make certain that they get into diamond, in,
0: but that's about it. at that, At that point, it's, it's up to you.
1: But as per usual, I have gotten very off topic.
0: Oh no! Like we, we we're we're offering a good chunk of like information here. Like that, yeah. that's what I love is like we when nine times out of ten when we, when we go off topic. It's it's definitely something that's informative because a lot of people don't know this stuff. And now, like, one thing that I wanted to look at at the bottom of this, list, there was the thing about, like, best webcomic. Like, what would it take to get, like, your webcomic on the Eisners? Like, that seems like something really hard to do, to be honest with you.
1: Like, you have to submit your stuff to the Eisners.
0: Like, Eisners actually has their own submissions. So, so, like, portion I thought, like...
1: Well, it's kind of like the Oscars with For Your Consideration. Uh, Come, move move. Okay. Because for the Oscars, movie companies and production companies, they have to enter something into the running for an Oscar. The Oscars don't just look at everything that was ever released. You get um, the Oscars get what's called a four-year consideration copy, and then they send it out to the various, person. Um, you know, they rate it from this, that, and the other thing, and then you know, whoever nets the most votes gets the nominations. Blah 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 blah. Oh. And honestly, there's actually a huge amount of money spent campaigning for the Oscars, and I doubt the Eisners works that way.
0: See, like, yeah, I don't I don't like well, like especially if some people aren't like very like interested in a certain comic book, I, like I don't know how you could really bribe somebody to like vote for your book at the Eisners.
1: Um, you submit to the you submit your work to the Eisners.
0: Okay. That makes sense. I'm we'll say, yeah, because, like, like, you would think that maybe the publishers would be the ones to contact the Eisners for you? Or, like, is it the creators that would have to do that, especially with, like, indie books and stuff like that?
1: For Marvel and DC and Image and Dark Horse, they probably will submit. I mean, you know, Marvel and DC, they submit for you. They probably just submit the whole line. Okay. That's very logical. We, yeah. I mean, that's conjecture on my part, but
0: yeah, but it makes sense because, like, especially if that they, they like want to just like want to see if they can get books to make it into the Eisners, it makes perfect sense.
1: I don't know if we'll have time to go through every single category. Oh yeah, no,
0: but I, I, there is a few, like, um, especially well, I, I definitely want to look over the, the creator portions and like maybe some of the like like the um, the different like things like that but like for writer there uh was Alex DeKanby um Tom King got multiple nominations Jeff Lemire got multiple nominations well all of his nominations were for Black Hammer books cuz Doctor Stars is a spin off of Black Hammer and then uh Descender and Gideon Falls and Royal City he got uh Mark Russell got for Green Lantern and Huckleberry Hound, <laughs> uh, Lex Luthor and Porky Pig. Guy's gonna be pissed. That <laughs> one. Um, Mark Russell got a got an Eisner Eisner nod for uh, Lex Luthor and Porky Pig because she she didn't like that book because the art. <laughs> but um, no, and then like he got it for Snagglepuss and. Looks like for Lone Ranger. When did, what, what, there was a Lone Ranger comic and I didn't know about it. What the heck, Dynamite?
1: <laughs> oh, yeah, no. They, they they publish this kind of stuff off and on. I need them to bring Harry Horner back. Tom King, Jeff Lemire, Mark Russell, Kelly Thompson, Thompson. Yeah. Uh, Spider Man, and, and Marvel 2 and
0: then best writer and artist we got sophie campbell for wet moon from oni um i don't know how what to it that. is I, I don't know how to pronounce that last name for nick uh Drinazo, i think yeah
1: it looks like Drenazo. but oh for okay it's from john and quarterly david lepham nate powell tony sandoval and jen wang
0: but it's, it's really nice to see that like this isn't just a bunch of dc and marvel stuff like there actually is a good chunk of DC and marvel.
1: like I, I do appreciate that the eisners are not a big two industry exclusive yeah. because at that point that's when it just kind of sucks out really the point i mean Mar- marvel and dc tend to do very well because i mean there's a lot of money in play there
0: almost oh, definitely
1: and then we got uh, Matthias Bergara. I mean, because this is uh, for best penciler and inker, or um, pencil penciler or inker team. Oh,
0: that's kind of cool. They have one for team.
1: Because I mean, like uh, Terry Dodson, he does the pencils, and his uh, wife Rachel does the inks. Wow, I did not know that. Uh, Matthias Bergara, Mitch Gerards for Mister Miracle, uh, Carl Kirsch, Izola. Sunny Liu. Liu? Yeah, that's what it looks like. Uh, Eternity Girl. Sean Phillips for Killer Be Killed. Yannick Paquette uh, for Wonder Woman Earth 1 Volume 2. Yes, just give that man all of the awards. <laughs> I bet all of the awards. Oh, I absolutely love Yannick Paquette. He is, he's such a nice person, and I freaking love his artwork.
0: I mean, like... Like Carl should, like should like I I'd be okay if he won because Isola is a really good book. But like wh- I, I I I get why you would love you would love him for Wonder Woman. So that makes sense.
1: <laughs> oh, I just love him. I just love him in general because he did uh, covers for Batgirl and the Birds of Prey and those were amazing. Uh, early in Rebirth, he did connecting Justice League variants which were so cool. Like. Really? Um, I like that there's a distinction between Penciler and Inkler. Uh, Inkler? Inkler. <laughs> Inkler and Inker. Yep, name for Penciler and Inker is Inkler. Uh, 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 best painter... Cool. And multimedia in, uh, artist for interiors. Um, I, I I like that this is a separate category because painting and mm-hmm. you know digital painting is so cool in a comic book. Because yes. I mean, um, Lee Bermejo for yes. Batman Damned. I mean, things aside, the art for Batman Damned was pretty.
0: Like, I mean, like, part like, bat penis aside, like it was pretty damn good.
1: Uh, Carpita Lupatelli for Zuni Book 2 I'm familiar with Humanoids as a publisher but not this book Uh, Dustin Nguyen for Descender I freaking love his stuff because he did Little Gotham Really? Mm -hmm. At least I think it was him that did Little Gotham I know he did uh, those big posters that I love where it has the redheads and the blondes from DC and Marvel just kind of laying there
0: I missed Little Gotham that was a good book
1: Oh yeah uh, Gregory Gregory for Sea of Love from Lion Forge and then Tony Sandoval also for Lion Forge. It's great to see um Lion Forge on the list too yes. since they're they're fairly new.
0: It's good that they're get, they're getting their chance to be on the Eisner list.
1: Yeah. Um this cover artist, uh, best cover artist for multiple covers. I'm loving this list. Um Jen that? Bartel. Oh, of course, of
0: course <laughs> you're going to love it cuz Jen Bartel's there
1: love jen Bartel. kai is gonna be so happy with these nominations did,
0: did you did you see that she's making custom shoes for endgame
1: for uh, thanos and captain marvel they look they look really cool mm-hmm. you know I, a lot of people will you know comment that jen Bartel has a bit of same face syndrome and i do see it but i have to argue that her color work is god tier <laughs> Like fence for it. Oh no, her color work is absolutely god tier. Darrington for Mr. Miracle, those covers they were pretty damn phenomenal. Yes, Carl Kershaw yeah. Yeah, he pulled for Azola too. Joshua Middleton j- yes.
0: Yes. Because his background Aquaman covers are freaking amazing. <laughs>
1: where she's leaning over the computer like it, it's literal perfection
0: yeah like I know, I know some people don't like the new costume but like middleton makes it work and i love him for it
1: so that's the only reason i'm okay with it is because middleton makes it work middleton makes it work uh julian tedesco for hawkeye and life of captain marvel those were some pretty bomb covers yeah and i think what a lot of people think about is that when you're looking at a comic book the first interaction you have with that book is the cover cover sucks like because if i'm you know if i'm walking up and down the wall if a cover sucks i'm just gonna keep going kind of a thing because first impression and you know i i feel like cover artists don't get enough credit i mean You that uh, Jenny Friesian should be on this list. Yeah, he said that on Twitter earlier today, and I'm like, yeah, her her covers have been pretty bomb this year. Emanuela Lupacino. at least I think that's how you say her name, uh, her last name, uh, should just win every year. (laughs) She is one person, uh, Jenny Jenny and Emanuela, they are two people I will just buy covers for.
0: See, like... I'm not a big variant love. cover whore, but, like, there's just some people that I love variant covers for. So, like, I I,
1: I get where you're at. Anka's so kind of starting to tiptoe on that list, too, of people I will just buy covers for.
0: I'm, I'm, oh, my God. I'm so excited for his Young Justice cover this week. I'm so excited. Uh,
1: best coloring. This is an, a very important category.
0: Yes, Jordy Blair got. A lot of nods there. Wow.
1: I mean, you know, she absolutely deserves it. Yes. Uh, Tamara Bonvillain?
0: Yeah. Uh, that's how you said that, yeah.
1: Yeah, I'm terrible with last names. I mean, I have a dumb one myself. <laughs> <laughs> that's
0: me. Why are you being mean to yourself?
1: Last name. Because um, it is not pronounced how it's
0: spelled. No, it's not. And that, that frustrates my soul. <laughs> Like, got, like No, it's swan again. Like, it's a lie.
1: Mm-hmm. But uh Tamra, she pulled a lot of nominations. I mean, we're talking Doom Patrol, Moon Girl, and Devil Dinosaur, Multiple Man, Batman, Batgirl, Birds of uh Birds of Prey. I think it's Batgirl and the Birds of Prey. Wonder Woman Earth One Volume 2 it hits this list again. <laughs> I die, die Die from Image then uh, moving on we've got Matt Hollingsworth for Batman White Knight and Seven to Eternity and Ooh, Witches Seven to Eternity I love that book this is great and then yes Matt Wilson hits this list for <laughs> Black Cloud for Paper Girls Wicked and Divine, the Mighty Thornton, and for the most important book in his <laughs> resume Runaways
0: <laughs> I'm gonna say, no. you and Runaways are having some problems right now aren't you Mary <laughs> <laughs> they, didn't, have your digital
1: they, they code. didn't press kit so i couldn't get a review out this week uh, i picked up my print copy today and it wasn't printed with a digital code so i had to send a message to marvel support and i'm probably not gonna hear back to like monday but no on runaways has been phenomenal because i maintain my belief that carlina dean is a colorist's nightmare
0: yeah, that rainbow shit. Oh my God.
1: She's a literal rainbow alien and the colors swirl. That, that, that's so, I mean, runs where, you know, the colorist will just use three or four colors and move them around. Mm-hmm. Not Wilson. Oh my God. His color work is amazing. And I'm pretty sure he also does the colors for, um, don't quote me on this, but I think he also did the colors for Chris Anka's two prints. Oh, wow this run with Wilson on the colors is really the first time we fully got the celestial aspect of her true alien form.
0: That's fair.
1: Um, he is definitely, probably one of my favorite colorists in the industry right now. Um, I feel like color artists don't get enough credit anyway. Oh no, that's Excited because I mean there are some amazing names in this category and you know I do love Matt Wilson but I am legitimately torn (laughs) don't you hate when that happens and speaking of people who are unappreciated let us move to letterers oh my god these people are the ones who pull it all together you can have a great script you can have fantastic art you could have the and shading and coloring but if your letters suck it will all fall apart yes so i mean and that, that's really can be true for any bit of a comic book like if your colorist sucks the book's gonna fall apart yeah. but for me personally I mean, if the letters are bad it like that's my problem is that is the thing that will ruin a comic book for me. And I'm not saying that to, to be like, oh, I'm nitpicking, ha ha. I'm saying that because it pulls away too much. I like my lettering to feel woven into the panel.
0: Yeah. This kind
1: of looks like somebody, you know, photoshopped a big block text on there. I get really mad and then I can't focus. Mm. Oh, wow. This particular website that I am looking at the listings from should have bolded the names.
0: Who are you? Yeah, are you looking at the News one?
1: Because the News Arama one has, has it pretty laid out pretty good. It's just the names um, aren't bolded. But we've got uh, David Aja for Seeds uh, from Dark Horse, uh, Jim Campbell for. That's a lot. <laughs> Uh, Jim Campbell, Oof, my God, at least 10 books here. Um... Mm-hmm. Breathless, Cal Exit, Grave Tracer, Snap Flash, Hustle, Survival Fetish, The Wilds, Abbot, uh, Alice, Dream to Dream, Black Badge, Clueless, Coda, Fence, Firefly, Giant Days, uh, Crass Kings, Lumberjanes, The Infertile, Cunplus, Low Road West, Sparrowhawk, Angelic, and Wasted Space. And those are all from pretty much different publishers.
0: Well, yeah, let's like, we'll say he yeah, like a good chunk from Boom, good chunk from Black Mask, and, like, and, and, and one from Image, one from Vault. That's a lot.
1: Oh, yeah. Uh, Alex DeCampi finds herself on the list again.
0: <laughs>
1: Bad Girls in Twisted Romance, uh, Jared Fletcher for Batman Damned, uh, The Gravediggers Union, Moonshine, Paper Girls, and Southern Bastards. Todd Klein, Yay! Hammer, Age of Doom, uh, Neil Gaiman's A Study in Emerald, Batman White Knight, Eternity Girl, uh, Book of Magic, The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, and The Tempest. I
0: thought that book was cancelled. I don't know, because I like I figured Alan Moore was done with that book. What the hell?
1: I mean these are some very talented people. Most definitely. Had to pick.
0: Honestly,
1: I I, I, I gotta give it to Todd Klein.
0: It, yeah, it's either Todd Klein or Jim Campbell for me, because like like Todd Klein's work on Black Hammer, especially with the artwork on Black Hammer. It it can be really hard to like m- like make that flow into the work. So I, mm-hmm. I have to give him a lot of respect for what he does. Like when it comes to that series. Oh, have you
1: read read... yes, I have. I've read Black Hammer.
0: Do you like it? Oh, oh, you cut out. What would you
1: say? I really do. I like Black Hammer. So... I mean, as much as I love Jim Campbell because I love Giant Days, Todd Klein. I mean,
0: about um, say yeah, cause, like he he put some work in.
1: As per- comics-related periodical journalism, we've got Back Issue, which is a huge magazine. Uh, it know. is a print. It is a print magazine. It is. It's an old one. When I worked in the shop, we used to get it a lot. Um, the Columbus Scribbler, Comixocity, <laughs> do lab Magazine, Zero, Panel X Panel. I mean, a lot of these are really established names. Classic yeah. publications who do really great work.
0: Because I know the team of Comixocity puts their freaking heart into that shit.
1: Absolutely do. And I'm a huge fan of Matt Santori.
0: I, I, look, I look at best comic related book for like two seconds and I see the league of regrettable sidekicks. And now I want to look that up.
1: <laughs> oh, that is, a, it is a wonderful book. I'm gonna have to look oh that my up. God. <laughs> a comic book implosion an oral history of DC comic circuit 1978 from Keith Dallas and John Wells drawn to purpose, American uh, women illustrators and cartoonists by Martha Kennedy. I, I have seen um, bits of that book and um, I need to get out and buy it because, I mean, I love comic history and I am all about women in comics. So, yeah, that's why, that's, that's why
0: I love talking to you because you're just like a giant box of history and I love it.
1: Uh, Mike Grell, Life is Drawing Without an Eraser. Mike Grell is a Legend by Dewey Castle with Jeff Messer. Um, anything about Mike Grell, I will probably read. Uh, Yoshitaka Amono, the illustrated biography beyond the fantasy by Florent that's Jorge uh, translated by Laurie DuPont and Annie I'm just going to say as Gillian
0: no, um, this is a very good listing here to be honest with you Like, I'm really excited to see around Comic Con what happens with all of this
1: Uh, Best Academic and Scholarly Work. I feel like this is an underrated category because comic books are a legitimate form of literature, in my opinion. Yes. A lot of people have been able to do a lot of really interesting academic things with them. So we've got Between Pen and Pixel, Comics, Materiality, and the Book of the Future. Hashten, breaking the frames populism and prestige and comic studies by mark singer the goat getters jack johnson and the fight of the century and how a bunch of raucous cartoonists reinvented comics by eddie campbell wow <laughs> and innocence by Lara sausagag yes oh.
0: sweet little c word
1: It's a sweet little cunt, the graphic work of Julie Dossette by Elizabeth Ann Moore. I mean, um, you know, a lot of these are because Aaron Cashton. um, This is from Ohio State University Press, University of Texas Press, Library of American Comics. I mean, so a lot of the uh, uh, Rutgers University. So these are legitimate academic works.
0: That's really awesome because like... Cause I remember like when I was in college, there was folks that were really trying to get comic books respected as literature. So to see all of this is really impressive.
1: I mean, and there are um, even academic professionals who have made careers out of it, like Carol Tilly. Um, She's a former Eisner judge. uh, She's a, uh, she's a collegiate level professor and, you know, she spends a lot of time looking at comic books.
0: Uh, from there, I think, like, we, we, there, there, oh, what?
1: There, there are a couple of, I mean, there's a bunch of categories and getting into them. We're going to be here for a while. <laughs> so, find the nominations on, you know, sites like newsrama they have a complete list. Yes definitely look through all of it because i mean there are a bunch of categories that we that you know we didn't get to best kids publication ages 9 through 12 uh publication for teens 13 through 17 i mean there is literally um best anthology series um i do want to give this category a brief shout out because for a lot of very important anthologies here because we've got femme magnifique 50 magnificent women who changed the world uh puerto rico strong which was a that was a really good um, it was a, a charity anthology that helped with puerto rican reconstruction twisted romance was um an anthology by alex de Campi. um well she edited it but um where we live a benefit for the survivors of the las vegas of las vegas it was um after the horrific shooting in las vegas um so i mean these are some amazing anthologies if you can pick them up please do it
0: yes most definitely
1: i remember reading yeah. puerto
0: rico strong and it was a very good book
1: it was released previously but puerto rico strong and uh, reconstruction yes they're both very good
0: so, yeah, so definitely seek out this list, like, because hopefully, like, like, well, not hopefully, but, like, once these, uh, like, the full winners list comes out and, like, w- when San Diego Comic-Con happens, we will revisit this, because they definitely deserve all the praise for the work that goes into all of this.
1: So, I, I want to jump back to Best Continuing Series here, and we, we can kind of kind of duke it out from here, because for Best Continuing Series, um, look at the bottom nomination, James. <laughs> For your reaction, look at the last part. Oh, God, okay. (laughs) Yes! (laughs) Because the nominations include. Dude, Gasolina, Giant Days, The Immortal Hulk, and Runaway. Okay, okay, hold on. So, now, now, now,
0: now, Mary. Okay, like. Let me have this. I, I understand where you're coming from here. I, I, I understand where you're gonna come from because run, yes, Runaways is a great book. A lot has happened. At but, me, but here is the thing: I did not mean to make my chair go down. Um, there has been so much stuff going on in this damn book that Jeff Lemire is writing. We ha- we've had multiple time warps, we've had multiple <laughs> di- di- dimension warping things happen, we've had reality flip three different times in the past two volumes, like, where, where this last issue left off, and I'm so excited for issue 11, oh my god, like, th- I, I, I need this to win. <laughs> Like literally, like I, I still say, Black, Black Hammer Agent Dude number nine will probably be one on my list of best single issues of the year because, like, it, it it throws everybody in new realities and like the heartbreaking story that Jeff Lemire writes about a gay alien is so like, oh, and it's like only part of the yep. issue and it's just oh, so like. Yep.
1: Another book there's a
0: gay alien i know but like <laughs> like like this is different like have you read issue nine? You, you cut out dude did you read issue nine
1: she's behind
0: okay so like in the issue they went they they go back to earth and something happens and it flips reality and um barbellion gets sent back to mars and like he's always lived there according to reality and he has, he has like a husband that he's living in secret with and they freaking find out, like, like like the, the, the Mars, the Martian colony finds out that he's gay and kills his mate. And it's like, Oh my God. <laughs> and it's just, it's so intense. And I just. I, so I, I can't have, I can't let you win this one, fam. Like you could have any other category, but like, like you can take, you can take Bitterroot off. Of, like as much as I love Bitterroot, like if there's a book that you want in Best New Series, I'll let you take it. But like, I just, I can't let you have this one. I'm sorry.
1: I'll let you have this one. I mean, jokes on us. We all know Batman's gonna win. Sadly. Uh, Batman, Black Hammer, Age of Doom Gasolina, which I have not read yet but I have heard is fantastic I love Giant Days it is uh, it started out as a little slice of life book but it has just blossomed into this you know, 40 plus issue series Um, The Immortal Hulk Al Ewing, he is amazing Joe Bennett uh, Rui Jose is the rest of the creative team But, you know, I gotta give it to Runaways. I keep saying that Mortal Hulk. I need to read it. I'm annoyed that um, Matthew Wilson is not included in the Runaways team for the credits. I am very annoyed by that. Because he has been the colorist consistently through um, Anka's departure. I'm not certain if he stayed on. I know he's still doing the color work. Uh, no, as of this most recent issue, he has departed the book. Oh no. But um, I what, feel like will he's Carolina
0: still doing... Never do. we,
1: we haven't seen her glowy yet, um, but I'm interested to see uh, what this new color artist will do. Triona Farrell is the color artist for issue 20. Okay. I will have to see if, I mean, I mean, this, this is just a personal thing. I'll have to see if she was the, uh, I assume. But I The new series
0: I'm torn, because like I want Bitterroot to win, but like I know Crowded is good. I know is good. I haven't read Gideon Falls, but normally Jeff Elmere always usually has my vote. And, I, and I've heard Skyward is really freaking good. So, like, I... i, I really <laughs> is very good. It, it, I mean... The art looks amazing for Skyward. It
1: absolutely is.
0: So, like, I'm like... Okay, yeah,
1: so this...
0: Like, like, if you if you put a gun in my head, I, I'd probably, like, vote between Isola and Bitterroot because I know both mm-hmm. of them are freaking amazing and Brendan Fletcher has been working his ass off. He absolutely has. So, like, Abs- I don't know. Like, the only one I'm, I'm not a big fan of is Maneaters. Like, I love Chelsea Kane. I, I Like, I, I love Your Mockingbird, but, like, I, I, I'm sorry. i sorry. I'm not a big fan of it.
1: it. It was a little difficult for me to get into. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> is a, I mean, Best New Series is a tough category for me, because Bitterroot is good. I freaking loved Crowded. Um, Gideon Falls, Isola, uh, Van Eaters. Crowded is actually, was optioned for a movie by Rebel Wilson. Wow. From the last news that I heard intended on directing and starring in it. Wow. Um, oh, yeah. I mean, Chris Sabella, Rose Stein, Ted Brandt, I, it, it is a great team. It's a fun concept. I mean, not a fun concept because it's crowdfunded assassinations, but.
0: Yeah, that's. Oh, my God.
1: A lot of these new series have such interesting concepts because, you know, Skyward is about a story that takes place in a world without gravity. Gravity has just ceased on planet Earth, and you know a lot of people floated up into the atmosphere. Mm-hmm. And it's it's about the people who are left. I don't want to get too much into it because there's some big fun mysteries and twists. But
0: and then like Isola, like that entire book of like a like a person who has to like escort the queen of a nation to uh, like to a destination, and she's a tiger, like. She was transformed into like the, the tiger, and it's just this entire adventure series. Honestly, Isola gives me a lot of what's the one freaking image book that everyone freaking loves that I, I I keep never reading.
1: Saga. Yeah,
0: like like it, like the art definitely screams Saga for a lot of people from what like from what I've read on the internet. So I on like if I, I say if you enjoy Saga, you might like Isola. I read I I've read the first like three or four issues and I've loved every t- like every time I read it, so that's just me. I think Bitterroot is one of the be- the best books out in comics today, so like I really wanted to win. <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm sad it's on hiatus, so I'm, I'm kind of sad. But um, but no, from there I feel like we, we, we like we're gonna like we're gonna wrap up the show with a little look at the Diamond Top Ten for the for the month. Well, every month Diamond releases its its top 10, and then later, after the weekend is wrapped up, the top 300 best-selling comic books to American retailers. So that's not technically what is sold to the customer. That is what the retailer buys from Diamond, the distributor. So that, like, so, like, uh. if... If a book sells really good at your shop, but not really good at somebody else's shop, that, that's not what matters. What matters is how many copies are ordered to the shop.
1: Hang on, where, where are you pulling this up at? I can't find it.
0: Um, I'm pulling it from the press email. Do-do. I can forward I, it to you. To me, because I can't find it. I got you. Ooh. And dupe, and then when when you open it, you just scroll to the bottom and hit the uh, view entire message button.
1: Okay, just, let's just vamp here for a minute,
0: do du. I what it looks like, DC was March's top publisher in dollars with a thirty six a thirty six percent uh, market share. With the second, uh, go
1: ahead. Are we sure? I just want to pull it up real quick because I don't want to talk about anything that's under embargo.
0: Oh no, we're good. Like the, like everything that I, that I sent you is is free of embargo. Like it's the top three hundred that's under embargo until Monday.
1: Okay. Okay.
0: Like everything here, we can we are free to talk about and have a good
1: time. No alcohol required. Okay.
0: But yeah, um, DC was March oh. top publisher for, uh, for dollars. Okay,
1: it's this whole released until the 26th.
0: Yeah. And then um, it was second in units with a 34% market share. Marvel was the top publisher for units with 40%, well, or 40.94%. Um, the second in dollars with 34.6%. Um, Image was third um, with a 963 That's how big of a difference... Like, cause you have Marvel and DC fighting for like the biggest piece of the pie, so th- it's almost half and half for them with such a small cut that everyone else fights for, and it's mm. so intriguing to see like who who gets that third spot. Nine times out of ten, it's Image, but occasionally Dark Horse or Boom will slide up there, and it's kind of funny to see how it works because you have. Boom! That hits the two point nine percent. IDW that hits the three point nine. Um, Dark Horse that got the three point two six. Like the the number climb
1: is very like interesting to watch. Um, DC- let me put let me put this in perspective for some people sure. because you know I worked in the retail side, so these numbers they make too much sense to me. Um, dollar share and unit share. A dollar share is who made more money that month. Unit share is who sold more books that month. Yes. Got a higher dollar share because Detective Comics was, what, a $9.99 book? Mm-hmm. People had a higher unit share because they shipped more titles. Mm-hmm. It's a bit of a. It's a literal numbers game, but I can see where that can be confusing for people who aren't familiar with the concept. so I just kind of wanted to break that down a little bit. Yes. Com- comparative sales is uh, that one really doesn't need gotten into because that's a lot of contradictory stuff that really only makes sense if you're looking at a diamond order form.
0: Yeah um, for, for like well we will, uh, dc had seven titles in the top ten. Uh, we had Detective One Thousand that just <laughs> holy crap. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna say doesn't say, uh, say on this list. We uh, I think we will, we will be able to tell people on Monday how much Detective got in terms of units, but in ter- but but it, it, it got number one. <laughs> uh, Batman who after the the, uh, the Grim Knight number one, but I think it's, I think that was a one shot got number two. Batman basically usually like if it's not. Batman, Spider-Man, uh, used to be Walking Dead would always hit the top 10, and event books are usually what hits the top 10, because when it comes to variant covers, when it comes to um, just big names, like Batman and Spider-Man usually always have two, two issues in the top 10, because back in the day before, both of those titles were, were shipping bi-weekly. They were only monthly, so it left more on the table for the top ten to have more space. But now with those two titles being bi-weekly, you're always going to have two issues per in the top ten. Unless, for whatever reason, Spider-Man just gets knocked down a couple pegs.
1: There's uh, top ten comics by units shipped, and then top ten comics by dollars invoiced. Mm -hmm. That is the difference between shipped and price because the two categories, they don't match.
0: Nope, they don't.
1: Because, you know, something that's in top 10 by units shipped. And that's typically the list that people go by because that's how many books were sent out. This is not how many books were purchased. There's no way to track that. And top 10 comics by dollars invoiced is, you know, these are the 10 books that make the most money. For each category, the top three is still the same.
0: Yeah, because like Spider-Man Life Story made it for dollars invoiced, but it didn't make it for... um units I must say (laughs) because Marvel had seven titles I mean like DC had seven titles most of them were Batman but then you also had things like Doomsday Clock which won't be on the list for a while (laughs) Um, once Heroes in Crisis made it which which that's that, that's debatable if it should or not um justice league number uh, number 20 made it which is great that justice league is finally like it has been consistently making the top 10 for a while but the fact that justice league as a title is making the top 10 is something that for a while wasn't a thing like for a good chunk of the new 52 the de- all, all through rebirth there was just it was nowhere to be seen but to see Justice League, and then some, sometimes even Avengers recently has been climbing towards the top, it's been very interesting to see that. So, good on you, Scott Snyder, for writing a damn good book. Um, When it comes to the top ten graphic novels, I think this one's an interesting category because it's not the top ten graphic novels that, like, had just come out that month. It's top ten graphic novels in general w- what sold... Like 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 that were ordered, because you have things like Saga Volume One that is still top ten after this long. This is
1: truly annoying. Why you say that? Very truly annoying. I want you to zoom in on item code. Item code. Okay. Yeah. Oh my god. Says August twelfth. Yeah the original diamond code for when the book was published that I bet you money that that is not the code that was in the stupid order form because diamond, uh, not diamond, but image will reassign diamond codes and essentially reprint them. So that is the original code, but I bet you money that that is not the code that retailers used to order because I remember having to do that and it is a pain in the butt. <laughs> I feel so bad for you. <laughs> oh God, that is, that, that's that—that's the one. I mean, reordering things from Diamond is something that I do not miss doing. Uh,
0: props. Because break Tidebreaker from making the top ten. I
1: mean, um, I was finally able to sit down and read that, and holy crap,
0: is it good! I, I'm like halfway through it. I need to finish it, but yeah, it's really freaking good. Like,
1: no, so I—I think DC Inc is going to be phenomenal.
0: I was to say there's a teaser for the Catwoman book in free comic book day that's coming out next week. And I I think that's going to be a really good one too.
1: Oh yeah. No, I, I am very excited to see what DC Inc does because you know, it marketed itself as a young adult line. And I think this, these are very solidly books for teens. Yes say young adult it can be anything from you know 10 to 17 but i think dc inc is very solidly going to be a 13 to 17 imprint is that a
0: good thing or a bad
1: thing it's a good thing because i like you know different age ranges to have different categories because you know what would serve as a decent like somebody who you know, a youth young adult book for someone who's 12 then a youth young adult book for someone who's 16 I think it's gonna I, I like to see different issues addressed as it were Th- that's just a personal thing like
0: I was saying well cuz like I'm currently flipping through my copy of like the first, I think it's the first chapter of Catwoman Under the Moon by uh, uh, Laura Miracle. And honestly, I'm, I, I think this book's going to be pretty good for kids, or well, for teens. Because like, it...
1: it's a teen book because um I've read the advance copy that we got yes, our press pack and holy shit, is it good. So good. Like, props like it is long. not this is, this, this is good. not a book for anyone under the age of like thirteen or fourteen. Oh, Absolutely no. not. No, no, well, no, no, there's there there are very um disturbing themes. There's some instances of self harm. Yeah. I'm getting a little too far into it, but no, this is. Firmly a book for teenagers, and I think that that by and large is a relatively untapped market. If you look at the full range of Scholastic.
0: Yes. So props to DC for like actually creating this because like this could actually be a good thing for young adults. Um. Yeah, but say yeah, because like uh, the, like so de- so definitely like if you do look on sites like Comicron and newsorama for like the listings for top ten graphic novels. Don't be surprised when you see things like Walking Dead and Saga Volume 1s, Monstrous Volume 1. Like, there is some new stuff, like, yay, Recommender 7 to Eternity Volume 3 hit the top 10. Yay. But, like, <laughs> I know not, not everyone's a Recommender fan, but that's in my cap. Yay.
1: <laughs> but I mean, the, the, the tricky thing with uh, graphic novels and trades is that they're constantly being reprinted. Yes. Trade is reprinted as a hardcover, and so I mean they're constantly being reprinted. That can be very money. Consuming. That pretty much every month there is a volume of Saga that is on the list. <laughs> Was it is *Walking Dead* always made the graphic novel list? The ten. It looks like the big *Walking Dead* comic boom may have dropped a bit. Um. It sells much better in trade and in omnibus than it does in... Single issue. I've noticed that even the single issues have kind of started to drop off a bit in favor of the big hardcovers that they do and then the monstrous, like, 100-issue omnibuses that they do. Wow. Slightly larger library hardcovers tend to sell the best because they're... They're sturdy, they have a decent number of issues. Image does them a lot for some of their series. Um, I've got a couple from Lazarus over there on the bookshelf. And these are some sturdy suckers.
0: Um, whatchamacallit, like, Dark Horse's library editions are freaking amazing.
1: Of course, library editions, they're no joke. They are <laughs> no joke. You can beat somebody over the head with one of them suckers. <laughs> 10 graphic novels and trades by dollars invoiced translation. These are the expensive books,
0: <laughs> yeah. Like Savage Sword of Conan, that, that uh, is like the, the original Marvel Years omnibus, it's $125. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> they put Earth X out in omnibus form. Oh my god, because it may- damn seven to eternity got for uh, like top 10 for uh, dollar's too. Holy crap, yay! Good job.
1: 80 years of Batman, uh, Detective Comics, 80 years of Batman, like, that was gonna edge out, because Detective was a huge, huge, huge thing. Well, yeah. Oh, I mean, it was the whole Action 1000 thing all over again. Yeah, they, they set themselves up for that win. So, respect. It's toys, games,
0: stuff. I was say, so... yeah, like, from there, like, it's just the toys and games list, so, like, that's not that big of a deal. But, like, Oh wow, Kingdom Hearts toy one. <laughs> but no, like but no. I, I, I like the idea of going through this because it definitely gives people a perspective of what's being sold. Um I do I do think on Monday when websites like Comicron that has an entire archive of every like top three hundred list, I think a lot of people should be looking at that because of the fact that it will show you what books are selling or what books are being purchased from retailers to give to the people because there's some books, and Mary can attest to this. some books mm-hmm. are only um subscription based only
1: because they're not doing well like on the shelf. so um, if you're looking at a big two publisher um, and, and this is really a thing with the Big two exclusively um if a big two book has dropped out of the top 100 that book is in trouble because it, the standard used to be for Marvel and DC is that if a book dropped between 20,000 issues or units per month um that was considered the danger zone Fifteen started started kind of becoming the new standard when sales dropped a few years ago. But I'm noticing that there are some books out there that are limping around it under ten thousand copies. Dinosaur, uh. uh, that book will never be canceled.
0: Well, yeah, because it, like it does better in trade, so it just kind of floats there. Like, but I mean, yeah.
1: there are some books that are that are limping under ten k. That's just kind of, I, I, and unfortunately for a book that I love so much like Runaways, I've been a huge fan for, you know, 15 some odd years now. Um, it, the last number I saw is that it was limping under 10,000. And so I'm kind of sitting here chewing my fingernails waiting for that cancellation announcement to drop or for it to just not be in solicitation. That's going to suck. That can, uh, you know, segueing away briefly, I think that these numbers that we're looking at now can kind of tie into a previous discussion that we had about the issue of comic piracy. Yes. I know for a fact that Runaways does really well, and a lot of people read it, pirated a lot. That really sucks. Because, you know, there there are a lot of different reason, reasons why people will pirate a book. Either, you know, they don't have the money, they don't know where to buy it, you know. I, th- these are not justifications. Uh, uh, absol- these are absolutely not justifications at all. But it's just, you know, there are, it's not just some mush- mustache twirling villain.
0: Man, <laughs> we're going to like steal from these comic book publishers, man. <laughs>
1: But I mean, you know, looking at these numbers and whatnot, it is something that does harm
0: the book. Most definitely, that's why. Like, there was there was there's been critically acclaimed comic books in the past that end up being canceled. Books that win Glad awards, books that, that win Eisners, that are canceled. But it's it's not the fault of the publishers. It's the fault of the people that are not
1: supporting the content. Let's see, these are numbers for March. Yeah, this is the top ten for March.
0: i say like we, we technically can't talk about the numbers until Monday and like about like what the sales chart is. But if you go to Comicron. com, if you look at last month's charts for like like, like the like the top three hundred for February, if you go and look they're like think they, what was Runaway if I remember was up. Runaways like runaways is stuck at ninety seven hundred that's not good <laughs> like um yeah like the like but there's, just, there's indie books like Tmnt and Black Hammer that are doing better than runaways that's not good people
1: there's a big i mean oof a lot of these because i mean you know these are the numbers from february because um 100 uh for february was green arrow number 49 was 17,000 copies and then there is a pretty steady drop mm mm-hmm. mhm Ooh, Shuri! Is
0: Shuri a mini? Shuri, Shuri is a mini. Mini, um, Guardians of the is Galaxy inter- is at ten thousand, and it's written by Donnie Cates. What in the hell? How is that that low? It might just be the it's new just... team, because it's not the movie team. Because that that's a low ass number. Holy crap!
1: Or is it seven thousand copies? What's at seven thousand? Here's uh, th- this is where I wanted to find. Out of three, out of the top three hundred, Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur was number two twenty two. Uh, for Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur, number forty, number forty with five thousand five hundred ninety nine copies pre ordered through Diamond. That right there is a testament to, if it sells in trade, they will keep it on the shelf. Yes. And once you dip below the top 100, um, it's when you start seeing a lot of the indie titles come onto the list. Mm-hmm. And Now, the whole under 15 cancellation danger zone, that's really only applicable to the big two. There's Runaways on this list. Runaways is...
0: Pff, control F. Runaway. It is 164
1: and 158 9,707. Oh,
0: that hurts. my that, that, that hurts.
1: Number 18 is the, you know, f- you know, the finale issue in a massive story arc. Yep. For 10,000 copies. And that makes me nervous
0: that's depressing
1: I don't know, I haven't been keeping up with its trade numbers, I know it does better digitally, which makes but... sense because the newer generation
0: is looking more at digital, it makes perfect sense oh. but if we're seeing this issue with piracy, that's not good
1: because I mean, you know, it's like Runaways, like this team that wrote this book, you know wrote issue 18, they're up for an Eisner this is a critically acclaimed book, it went up for a Glad award, but it's in the danger zone and I absolutely think piracy plays a part in it. You know, tracking comic numbers—it it seems like an odd hobby, but um, it definitely lets you check the—you know—keep a finger on the pulse of the industry, yeah, and seeing what sells and what doesn't. the big, you know, Batman and Spider-Man and X-Men like they're always, well maybe not X-Men but they're always getting to sell Yes. interesting is that Wonder Woman is 26 and 27
0: that's not looking too hot
1: I mean Superman's not selling great either Batman quite frankly sells on name alone it literally does not matter who is writing that book, it will sell and like that's no disrespect to Batman creators. I, I legitimately do not mean that with any kind of disrespect. But it's the solid truth know. that like you're
0: you're never going to be canceled.
1: like I could give Maxwell my ferret a pen and paper, and if he wrote <laughs> the next issue of Batman, he'd probably sell ninety three thousand copies. Like
0: that, that is hilarious.
1: <laughs> thing is, is that the industry standard used to be if a book dropped below hundred thousand copies, it was canceled. That's what the industry standard used to be until they started jacking the price up to $4 and $5 an issue.
0: That's crazy.
1: And if you went back to the industry standard of any book below 100,000 copies got canceled, there would be one book for all of February. And that is The Batman Who Laughs, which sold 101,000 copies.
0: That is depressing.
1: I mean, it's the rise of digital, it's the rise of the trade market, and it is the increase of internet piracy. Mm -hmm. I think the comics industry is gonna have to change, and they're gonna have to change very soon.
0: I mean, like, people like DC, and praise to DC for doing what they did this past week, well, like, in general this past month, because they, they made the announcement that every back issue up to a year ago is on DC Universe now. Props to Marvel for doing what they did with Marvel Limited. That's a great archival tool, but it's definitely going to lead to the death of print. I do see a universe soon where, like, like yeah, there's that joke of, oh, comics are like boobs, they're better than your hand, but like th- physical is probably going to go out the window sooner or later, and it's kind of scary.
1: And it, it is, it is sad to see because, you know, comics, if you look at it, single issues, they're really no different than any other kind of magazine.
0: Yeah.
1: Comics single issue is technically a magazine.
0: It's It's worth about 20 minutes of entertainment. So like you're literally paying three to five dollars, like especially for like Marvel books, five dollars a pop now. For twenty minutes of entertainment, it's it's looking pretty bad from from like an average day. You're
1: lucky. You're lucky Victoria's not in the room when you said that because she would just looked at me and went like, you know what? We're not buying these anymore. <laughs> 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 I mean, because you know, I picked up my Wednesday books today. I got um these are my books from this week. I got uh, Doctor Afra, Runaways, The Forgotten Queen. Uh, age of x-men one of the, i think it was extremists dial H for heroes action comics wonder woman justice League dark i was supposed to get war of the realms uncanny x-men but i have to go get that tomorrow and you know all of the no they just forgot to put it in my box uh-huh. books are four dollars piece. Now, I got a pretty decent discount because uh, I have a subscription pull box. And in order to entice people to set up pre-orders, there are a lot of comic stores that will offer you a discount. Mm-hmm. And so for each $3.99 book, I pay two seventy nine. dollars That's pretty good. So my books uh, today were $22.32. Um, that's one of the big reasons why I do stick with print. I'm, I'm a hopeless collector, but at the same time, it's also actually much cheaper for me. I buy the print issues and get the discount and just have to deal with storage issues.
0: Yeah. Cause a lot of people don't want to put up with that storage. They're like, I got five long boxes and a store and a short box for my star Wars books. Like not everyone can do that.
1: Should uh, tweet a picture of what my desk looks like because I haven't put my books away in like two months. They're just stacked up on my desk. Oh, there's like twenty single issues stacked up
0: on my two long boxes that I haven't put away yet. That like I think
1: I some tend of them, some to of
0: them to are t- bagged, some of them not. I need to need to finish bagging and boarding. But, uh,
1: through I have at least two hundred and twenty yeah. books here on the desk.
0: <laughs> That's a lot uh, Mary has bag- problems.
1: We're bagged and boarded, and you know I have like Wonder Woman in the my like two bags. I need to try and order more of those, and then I've got my books from today that I still need to bag and board, and which <laughs> out my Runaways books in the frames.
0: But no, I think Mary and I have gushed about uh, our love of comics enough. Um,
1: Tonight we we're, are starting to ramble.
0: We are going to go ahead and wrap up the evening. Don't forget to check out this podcast on youtube if you if, like for the archival purposes for all of our episodes including our other uh, show uh Living on the edge our spider-man podcast i've been like uh, guest starring on that with ian not ian um Alec to talk about okay. um talk about everything going on with the spider-man movies so, to check that out um don't forget to follow us on twitter instagram and facebook at on comics ground don't forget to follow the the podcast on twitter at ptp underscore podcast um, you can follow me at James C Portage three. It's on the screen. You can follow Mary at static geek on the screen. Um, cause I was, I was cool. And I figured out how to do that. Cause I'm awesome. <laughs> and yeah, like, like like that way, if I ever miss it, it's right there. And then am I making, am I getting anything? Um, no, I am not. Um, yeah, I am. don't forget to check out our website on dot with hyphens between the words. That way you can check out all of our reviews and op-eds. And all of our amazing content, Kai, our senior editor and um, um, for, uh, creative director, she has been working her ass off at the uh, Calgary Expo this, week, this weekend. She has been uh, talking to so many creators, so many cosplayers. Uh, if you are at Calgary Expo this weekend and you have seen Kai, she is working her butt off. So props to her. Thank you. for That her woman favorite. is
1: the definition of the word hustle. If you look up hustle in the dictionary, it will be Kai's picture because you know cannot sing the praises of her enough. She has been busting her ass. She is the heart and soul of pretty much all of our operations right now. Yes. And so if you are at Calgary Expo and you have seen her, tell her that, you know, James and I love her very much.
0: Yes. <laughs> and we are going to go ahead and wrap up. Mary, what is your closing statement for episode three? oh you cut out what is my what what's your what's your closing statement
1: uh my closing statement um runaways is gonna win for best continuing series no it's not Uh, (laughs) it is (laughs) i i don't know i smell a twitter i smell a mary verse james twitter poll going on here um so yes uh, runaways for best continuing series we're gonna James and I are gonna be fighting this one out till San Diego yes. <laughs> um you know check us out give us a read we've got amazing um, op-eds coming out from a lot of very talented people yes. do you want to give a shout out to a certain doctor that we have now
0: yes Aaron Jones the amazing like uh, man who just got his doctorate this weekend um, you're he, you're cutting out. Can you repeat that? Um, Aaron Jones, uh, uh, our um, uh, staff writer and uh, going to be one of the co-hosts on our new upcoming podcast, Blurred Ground, he received his doctorate this week and he has been working his ass off while also been writing for us and I am so blessed. We are all so blessed to have him as a part of this team and as part of this family. Uh, he definitely Congratulations, dude. Parties, dude. It's freaking awesome. But no, um, My closing statement as always is support your local comic book shop. Um, I want to say thank you to our entire team who has been working their butts off. Um, thank you to all of them for not spoiling the end game for our, our fellow people. Um, th- hashtag don't spoil the end game. We, 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 that's why we didn't spoil it tonight. Um, we might, I think I might see if we can get some of the crew on for next week to do like a spoiler cast. That, like that way that's after a week. Um, I can't be penalized uh, for that.
1: that description. <laughs> we'll want to put that in the description. Yeah. Um, spoiler! <laughs>
0: So, like, spoiler for next week, we might do a spoiler cast and, like, bring some people on from the OCG family to do, talk about spoilers and stuff. Um, so look out for that. Um, that that's it for the way talk about the night. Um, we will catch you guys next time on Panel to Panel. Goodbye. Oh, Aaron was in the chat. Yay. <laughs> Aaron was in the chat. Yay. I, just looked, I just looked at the chat. And he said thank you. Yay. Okay, bye. <laughs> bye.